0: Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host. My name is Steven. And today I'm going to take you back to 1987. February of 1987 for a Marvel comic book, Iron Man number 215. Now before we get into the book itself, let's talk about the cover for a moment. Because I'm really, there's just something about this cover I am just loving. Just loving it like a McDonald's sandwich. It's a pretty basic cover. It's got two different Iron Mans on the front. There's the, well, I guess they're both classic armor at this point. There's the old red and gold and the red and silver. Now, at this time in the Iron Man mythos, he is wearing the red and silver. But someone else is wearing the red and gold. We'll get into that in a second. But you've got both suits of armor and they're in space. That's pretty much it, but there's just something about the cover that I am just I don't I don't know. I just it's so visually appealing to me for some reason. And it it was drawn by Mark Bright. We'll get into the credits of the issue here in a bit as well, but it says right there on the cover exactly what we're dealing with. Beginning a new era of greatness because this is this is when we get a certain creative team on Iron Man. We've got David Michellini as the writer, Mark Bright as the penciler, Bob Layton on inks. Actually, David Michellini is listed as plot slash script, and Bob Layton is listed as plot slash inks. And that team right there, that's my Iron Man. This is the time when I was really getting, to, getting into Iron Man. Now, I read issues now and again before issue number 215, but issue 215 leads us down a path toward uh, a storyline. I think it was just four issues. It might've been more, might've been six, that they, at the time in the books, they called Stark Wars, but now we just refer to it as the Armor Wars. And it was this whole plot line where Tony found out that people were using, stealing his technology and using it with a without his permission, and in many cases was being used by villains, and so he made it a mission to go out and take out anybody, basically to get his armor back to shut it down. Anybody who's using his technology, he is he creates something to just shut it down so they can't use it anymore. But we have to get to that point first. And like I said, we've got two different Iron Mans on this front cover. I'm going to take you back a bit if you're not all that up-to-date on who Iron Man is, or maybe the only Iron Man you're really all that hip to is the one in the movies. So, Iron Man is Tony Stark. Inventor, genius, billionaire, cocky guy, ladies' man, as played by Robert Downey Jr. in the movies. At some point in the early 80s, late 70s, I'm not exactly sure when. I don't, off the top of my head, I can't pinpoint an exact time, but we learn that Tony Stark is an alcoholic and it takes over his life. He, he hits the deep end and he sinks about as low as he can sink. And it's at that point, he's wearing the red and gold that you see for most of the eighties, most of the eighties, he's wearing the red and gold. But most of the eighties, or a lot of the eighties, it's not him in that red and gold because when he when he hits rock bottom, he realizes that he should not be wearing and an alcoholic, a drunk, should not be wearing armor and out they shouldn't be out there fighting crime because they're gonna hurt somebody. And so he realizes it's time to get clean and he he talks his buddy. James Rhodes, who is played by Don Cheadle in the movies, he he talks him into wearing the Iron Man armor, while Tony goes off and gets clean. And so, throughout a lot of the eighties, it's not even Tony Stark in the armor. If you if you've read Secret Wars, the Iron Man and Secret Wars, James Rhodes, the Iron Man and West Coast Avengers, up to a certain point, once he once he. uh you know, we we do have Tony Stark in West Coast Avengers, but when the West Coast Avengers begins, when that whole thing starts, it's Rhodey as Iron Man. Now, eventually, Rhodey will be given the warmonger, not warmonger, war machine. I'm getting it mixed up with iron monger. He'll be given the war machine armor, which is what he wears in the movies. And that I can't, you know what? My my memory's kind of fuzzy, but I feel like the War Machine armor, that was a whole product of the the 90s, the big guns, the the um anti-villain thing that everybody was loving so much in the 90s cuz Wolverine was getting really popular, the Punisher was getting really popular. Venom at one point in the 90s, they made Venom, quote unquote, a good guy. He had his own book called Venom Lethal Protector. And so everybody was kind of jumping on board this dark, black, guns, anti-hero type of thing. And I feel like War Machine was a product of that. But hey, War Machine's still a thing. And And it's a very major character in the Avengers franchise. And it was one of those that I really enjoyed back in the day. But before that, he was Iron Man. Rhodey was Iron Man for a while. Now, when issue 215 hits, I don't remember reading a lot of books before this. I read a few, but they talk about at one point um Rhodey makes a joke to Tony because at this point Tony is now in the new armor. He's Iron Man. He's in the the red and silver armor. But Rhodey still has the old armor, the red and gold. And he makes a uh A joke or something at one point in the book where he says, I know you've been trying to get me back into the armor, but he he doesn't seem like he wants to be in the armor. And yet he does have to get into it at some point in this issue. So let's just, let's talk about the issue because this is the era of Iron Man that I I remember quite fondly. So we start out, Tony is at the doctor. He's finishing up with an appointment. He's been diagnosed with this uh, unknown deterioration in his nervous system. That if, if it gets any worse, if it progresses, he could die. And they want to keep him overnight or for a few nights just to run some tests. And he's not, yeah, has it really gotten that bad, doc? And the doctor's like, well, no, not really. It's not that bad at all. But again, if it gets worse, you could die. And we just kind of want to keep an eye on it, see if we can kind of figure out what's, what's wrong. Well, Tony kind of knows what's wrong. He's already deduced that these problems that he's been having which started with several weeks of bouts of nausea and muscle twitches after having been in the Iron Man armor, the new Iron Man armor. If he's in the Iron Man armor for a bit, he starts having these symptoms. So he knows that whatever's wrong with his nervous system, it's coming from his armor. And even at one point, he thinks to himself, looks like something in my new Iron Man armor is killing me. But he doesn't want to stick around because he basically tells the doctor, he's like, look, I'm gonna take a pass at that. I'll keep an eye on things. If if it gets worse, I'll, you'll, you'll be the first to know. So he's driving away, and he's thinking to himself as he's, as he's heading to his new home base, he's decided he's not gonna stop being Iron Man, because the armors, as he puts it, the armor's major functions are based on principles used in the old red and gold armor. So while he may have some new experimental weapon system that he thinks that's what's kind of messing with his physiology, he, he kind of wants to try to figure it out on his own because he's Tony freaking Stark, right? So he gets to his new base of operations. He's he's based out of California at this point. He's outside LA. There's a new Stark Enterprises that's being built. It's It's nearly complete... The, the office space is ready. The, the, the building is there. He's got a, a temporary housing offsite, just, well, adjacent, site adjacent. And he, he's there because he's got, a, he's also got a new space station, the Stark space station that is also nearly complete. He has one more trip to the space station to install some final components. And then the space station will be complete. And a roadie is going to be flying the shuttle. And for all appearances, Rhodey's the one doing, doing the repairs. He's flying alone in a space shuttle to the space station. And then Iron Man will follow after. Well, as they're discussing this, they're looking at the shuttle and then they're talking about it. And they got their backs to the shuttle. We see a, a, like a crew member, like a ground crew guy. I don't know. He's wearing coveralls. And he's looking very shifty. And he's like, there's there's some fellas with him. And he goes, come on, guys, now, why they're not looking. And they all sneak aboard the shuttle. And we're like, hmm, what's going on there? That seems very sneaky. And then we get an interlude, Boca Caliente, the small Caribbean island recently invaded and conquered by advanced idea mechanics, or... Aim. So you got this dude in the yellow Aim suit without his helmet. He's sitting at a bank of computers. There's a couple of other Aim dudes there, standing with him. They're holding guns and they have the big, funny-looking helmets on. Which, if you're not familiar with the Aim suits, they look kind of like hazmat suits. They're they're very silly-looking. And one of the one of the dudes that's standing there with him, it almost looks like they're guarding him. And the guy's like, hey, you know what? It's it's pretty cool that our scientist supreme is still allowing you to do such menial tasks, especially considering that you tried to overthrow him and you failed. That's pretty cool of him, isn't it? And the guy said, the guy whose name is Jorgen Taikio, he says, yes. I shall have to remember to repay my brother's kindness. And then in his mind, he's saying, once I am the scientist supreme, very, very soon. And you can almost hear him going, <laughs> cackle, cackle, mustache twisting. He, does, he doesn't have a mustache. And that's the end of the interlude. We then go to Tony Stark. Taking a shower. This is kind of a weird scene because he's taking a shower and he's thinking to himself about all the stuff that he has to do. And if he doesn't hurry up, he's going to be late. And he says, good. He's he's thinking to himself, it's a good thing that it only takes a few minutes to dry my hair. And he starts to dry his hair with a very average looking hair dryer, except for it says on the side of it, hair dry five thousand. And he continues to think to himself about, of course, there was a time when it would have only taken seconds instead of minutes to dry his hair. Because back at Stark International, when it was in Long Island, New York, he had this thing, this invention that he had created called the micro dryer which would have dried his hair in seconds instead of minutes. I find this a really odd scene, and I have to point it out because I am assuming the purpose of this scene is is A, to kind of remind you of maybe what's gone on before. Apparently, before all this happened, there was a period in Tony's life. If you remember from movie one, the big bad was Obadiah Stane. Well, before this all this run happened... That was the the storyline with Obadiah Stane, and whatever he did um, took took Tony Stark out of Stark International, and he lost all his money, and he was ruined, and he creates the new armor, and he fights Ironmonger, and everything is good again, and now he's got all his money back, but he is basing his operations out of California instead of Long Island in New York, and I... It's, I guess this is kind of a scene to, to help you remember that. But I, it almost seems like he's, uh, life is so hard now because it only, cause it takes me minutes to dry my hair with an average hair dryer instead of the seconds it used to take with my micro dryer. It'll be nice because he makes a comment about how it'll be nice to get back to a more permanence type of aspect to his life because he's still rebuilding at this point and i don't know it's like hey i lost all my money but i'm back i pulled myself back up from my bootstraps that my friends is the american dream you too could be a billionaire as long as you can invent stuff like a micro dryer once he's showered squeaky clean he asks his secretary if his call to senator boynton has been returned it has not so he's kind of upset about that. He's going to uh, into the control room for the launch of the shuttle, and he's thinking to himself because a lot of a lot of the story beats back then, a lot of the exposition, most of what you learned in regard to what was going on in the story was through thought bubbles. And he says to himself, "Ever since Aim took over, Boca Caliente, Boynton, and the State Department have blocked all efforts." to aid the islands enslaved citizens and i i this is not this has nothing to do with this issue this is a, a a story plot point that will unfold later i think it's a very important plot point because at some point when the whole armor wars thing happens most of that is because of a tony has lost he he's 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 no longer satisfied with the way that I guess the government get things, gets things done. And this is kind of your first hint at that. He's not, he's, uh, he's a bit disgruntled about the bureaucracy of government. So Rhodey takes the shuttle up to the space station. Tony follows in his new red and silver suit. We see Rhodey on the space station. He's working away. He's riveting. And, uh, He's kind of bored, and he thinks to himself that a little Whitney Houston sure would make this riveting job a lot smoother, and he's going to have to talk to Tony about putting a stereo system on the shuttle. Well, that's about the time that Tony arrives, and... He's installing the last, the final circuit board that will turn on the security system and all the monitors so they can see what's going on in all areas of the space station. And he slides the the control panel, the the circuit board into place. And he says, see, and all the monitor banks come on, pop, pop, pop. And you you can see all, all areas of the space station. And that's when Rhodey, he's looking at them and he's like, holy cow, what's that? We have some people in the data room. And there are some AIM soldier people, science soldier scientists. I'm not sure what they are, but they're in their they're in their AIM suits, but they're kind of modified spacesuits. And so, Tony and Rhodey they go to 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 fight the AIM soldier scientist dudes. All all Rhodey has with him is a is a rivet gun, even though. He told Tony that he was bringing the red and gold armor with him. But all he's got is this riveting gun. And so he's shooting rivets at these uh, AIM dudes. I don't What do you call the AIM guys? I mean, they're soldiers? Are they scientists? Are they terrorists? I don't know. We'll just call them the AIM dudes. And there's a big fight going on. And one of the guys, he, one of the AIM dudes, he pulls out this uh, test tube. And he's like, ha-ha! this is, we'll stop you. And he throws it at the ground and it busts open. And this weird blob thing just starts increasing its mass. Just, it's just big blobby, pinky, weird freaking thing. And he tells them that it's a, it's like a a biological weapon, a virus that there is no cure for. And it will continue to replicate and become bigger and bigger and bigger until it takes over the entire station. And any, organic material it touches well as an example it one of the one of the aim dudes (sighs) roadie shot him in the face or at least the side of the head with his rivet gun so it ripped his helmet open well this virus thing this blob virus gets into his suit and just kills him but he looks like he's been hit by like an old man ray or something because he he all of his hair falls out and he looks like some kind of weird mutant guy. And then he dies. And they're like, holy crap, we got to stop that. And the aim dudes run off and Rhodes says, look, I'll go get them. You take care of this virus. And so he goes chasing after them. Tony, no matter what he can do, he cannot He cannot stop this thing. He shoots at it with his repulsors. It burns up a little, but not enough. It just keeps replicating so much that he can't keep up with it. He uses his the Omnibeam in his chest. He uses Sonics. He uses all this stuff and and nothing nothing is stopping it. And he decides the only thing he can do is is seal up every every door in the station until he can figure something out. So he 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 starts sealing up the, the station, and Roadie then is trapped in this room. But then suddenly the virus is there and it's eating through the door. So shutting the doors really doesn't do anything but slow it down. And so he's hollering at Tony on his on his on his radio you know, I need some help. The virus is coming in. What'd you do? You shut me in in this in this freaking room on a space station and this virus is coming. And Tony's like, oh, there's really not a lot I can do right now. And Rhodes is like, what? Well, of course, Tony's not just going to leave him there. And eventually Tony busts down one of the doors and he grabs Rhodey and he says, let's go. Let's forget about the AIM dudes. Let's get you out of here. And they head to the to the docking part of the station where the shuttle is. And oh my goodness, the shuttle's gone. Why? Because the AIM dudes took it, right? They came up there in the shuttle. They were stowed away. Those are the guys at the beginning of the issue that were like, come on, let's sneak onto the shuttle. That's who that was. So they're they're leaving in the shuttle. And so now Rhodes, he's trapped. He's trapped on the station. Tony can leave whenever he wants. His armor, he can go into space in his armor. But Rhodey, nope, can't do it. So Tony's left with this choice and he has to leave Rhodey on the station while he goes to get the shuttle back. And so he leaves him there and he flies out of an airlock and he gets into the shuttle and he's telling the AIM dudes, it's over, fellas. And one of the guys says, I don't think so. See, the whole reason that they had infiltrated the station in the first place was they were stealing uh, some data. Apparently when AIM took over this island... Boca Caliente, they used one of their satellites as part of it. Tony's satellite was close enough that it could have recorded something. It could have gathered evidence. It's 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 got evidence on its data banks that Tony could use with the State Department to help shut AIM down and get that island back. And he never realized it until AIM came up to steal it. And this guy tells Tony, he's like, Look, Iron Man, our job was to get this data pad, this data panel, this circuit board, whatever, this freaking hard drive. We are either supposed to get it or destroy it so that no one gets it, and you've left us no choice. AIM always does what they're told, and he pushes a button, and the freaking shuttle explodes. Not the whole thing, but the the cabin, killing all of the AIM dudes, and Tony's like, holy crap, what kind of people are these that they would blow themselves up? But now he's like, oh, he doesn't know what to do at this point. The shuttle is now blown up. It's worthless. There's a big hole in it. It doesn't work. Rody is stuck on the station. How is he going to get Rody down? He can't leave him there because the virus will get him. And that's when he sees that Rody did bring the red and gold armor with him. The briefcase is there in the cabin floating in the, in the gravity. So he grabs it. He gets back on the sh- He gets back on the space station Rody puts the armor on, they leave the station, they're they're floating outside in space outside of the space station, and Tony's really, he's, he's, he's pretty PO'd. Because just like that, just like that, that's me snapping my finger, just like that, station is no longer, he can't use it. Nobody will ever be able to use it unless they can cure this virus. It has now taken over the station completely. No one will ever be able to get on that station again, and he's pretty upset about it. But there's nothing that they can do about it right now. So they, they start heading back to, uh, to Earth, back to the planet. And as they're entering the atmosphere, Rody realizes that it's starting to get really hard for him to breathe. And that's when Tony realizes that the explosion in the space shuttle screwed up the armor's oxygen system. And he says, okay, well, we just got to get into the atmosphere as quick as possible. Hit your maximum boot jets. And they're rocketing through the atmosphere and he says, you know, he's like, Rody how's it going? He goes, well, I still can't breathe very well. And now it's suddenly getting very hot. And then Tony realizes that the stuff on the armor that makes it so he doesn't burn up in the atmosphere as they're re-entering has also been damaged. And so he tells Rody to, to, to go limp and he grabs onto the armor and he starts flying so that he is in front. So he's taking the brunt of the heat from re-entry. But it doesn't do a lot of good, because once they get to a certain point, Rhodey says, everything's shutting down. My cooling system is shutting down. And, oh, no, the the eye slits and the mouth slits opening on its own. I can breathe again. But, Tony, holy crap, I'm on fire. And there's this great last panel where you get a close-up of the red and gold armor and just pouring out of the eye slits and the mouth slit is just this black smoke. And that's how the issue ends. It was a really fun issue. I'll be honest with you. Like I said, this is my this is the era of Iron Man that I remember. But I don't recall ever reading this issue. This is the first in a uh, in a, in an epic collection that I bought. That is the about the Armor Wars. But when they do these epic collections, they don't just put in it. It's it's the Armor Wars Epic Collection. But it's not just that storyline. They always do a really good job of adding six or seven issues before that that kind of lead into that storyline. And then the Armor Wars will end the, the collection. I remember the Armor Wars. I remember looking through the list of Iron Man books that came before this issue. I remember reading some of those, but not all of them. But I really enjoyed this. And I have to tell you, the art team of Mark Bright and Bob Layton for me, there there are two, uh, when it comes to the classic Iron Man look for me, Mike Zek, when he drew Iron Man for Secret Wars, that stands out for me. John Romita Jr. at some point in the uh, Beyond This Storyline will take over on Iron Man. I think John Byrne writes those stories. That stands out for me. And then the Mark Bright, Bob Layton art team. And that red and silver armor, that's that's the bread and butter for me right there. That's what I remember most about Iron Man. When I think back to my nostalgic childhood, that's the era of Iron Man that I remember. And so I'm going to keep reading these books, folks, and we're going to keep talking about them. Again, it's in an epic collection. If you want to go out there and grab it, I think right now it's 25 bucks on uh, Comixology. I know that the Armor Wars trade is available through Hoopla, through your library, if you just want to check that out. We'll get to that after a bit. But uh, this is some good stuff from what I remember from the, the, the Iron Man days. I, it's funny because for me, if I think back and I think back to what my favorite classic Iron Man look is, it's the red and gold armor. It's the armor that he was wearing in Secret Wars. It's the armor that he's wearing during Demon in a Bottle, which is the whole Tony Stark is an alcoholic thing. But when I see him in the silver and red, the red and silver with the big freaking triangle shoulder pad things, that stirs up some some good nostalgic feelings within me as well because he was he was in that armor for a long time during the period of time I was reading books, whether it was the Iron Man books, the Avengers books, or the West Coast Avengers books. I feel like a lot of my a uh, 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 major at least half. Of my history with Iron Man, he was he was wearing that armor. It was either that or the red and gold. And I do remember when I think, when it comes to storylines from those days, and I think of Iron Man, if anybody was to ask me what's your favorite Iron Man story, well, I would say Armor Wars because it's really the only Iron Man story that I can think of that was like a classic story. I didn't read, I don't remember reading the whole Ironmonger obadiah stain stuff i did read demon in a bottle the dealing with iron man or tony stark as an alcoholic i do remember liking that but for me it was always armor wars i just really enjoyed that as a kid tony stark going out there and just kicking butt and taking names and again we're going to get to that stuff so i hope you stick around Hey, before I leave you, I want to remind everybody I got a Discord server out there. Go to discord.stevenorelse.com if you're into the whole Discord thing. And, uh, you know, join me over there, please. Will ya? Until then, I'm Steven. That's me. That's my name. And you know what I am? Hey, I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other.